Welcome to the We as Citizens podcast. Here is your host, Christina Crowley. Hey, so good. Thanks for doing this. I do appreciate it. I'm honored to be on here. That is cool. You didn't say you wanted to talk about anything in particular, or have you thought about it and you do? I mean, because every day there's just so much stuff coming at us. Because you got mm-hmm. the thing from this idea of the politics. Yeah. And then you have what's going on in healthcare with COVID that creates such a big thing. And then yeah. holistic healthcare um, becomes another piece of it. And then as a minority, and a minority in holistic healthcare profession within the healthcare, within the political genre. So I was like, well, how, how or do we want to just talk about arthritis? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So I think one of the interesting parts of creating this topic was really a conversation I had with uh, the person who's president of the California Chiropractic Association, which is arguably one of the largest uh, chiropractic associations in the world. And then I'm president of the Los Angeles branch, which is one of the biggest districts of, you know, the districts within yeah. uh, association in the country, in the world. And, you know, we had these conversations back and forth about how to improve not only chiropractic, but also minority and woman representation inside of it. And I'm like, well, do you want to try to fix a leak? Or are you trying to solve the problem? And to him, they seem one and the same. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, no, they, 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 there's a lot more effort on one side than the other, right? You could temporarily give a bunch of minority women, a bunch of women and minorities scholarships to chiropractic come up with a bunch of one-time, you know, or three-year initiative mm. where you give them scholarships to go to school that doesn't really carry a lot of money. You just have the schools throw it in there, and it doesn't cost anybody much of anything, but it creates no legacy because, unfortunately, you know, as soon as this, this piece of the grandstanding of including people is over, then it'll just disappear. Or we could look at the causality, which... It's perhaps from both a point of perspective of if I'm an undergrad looking at healthcare, am I seriously looking at chiropractic or acupuncture? Or does it seem like, hey, no, no, I want to get a serious degree. So the perception of people who are coming into the profession. Uh-huh. At the same time, it could be also looking at the game we're playing on. So if I'm if I'm five foot tall, 145 pounds, and I can do a backflip, but then you tell me we're playing contact football, maybe all of a sudden the playing field sucks for me. And if I'm six foot 11 and 210 pounds, like a good basketball player, right? But you tell me that the game is being able to do the uneven bars and then do, you know, an iron cross in the ring, then you say, oh, fudge, this isn't a great game for me. And so any profession or individual that's like trying to exist in the current world is also trying to do at least one thing. And that means you have to become financially viable in the current existing game of whatever we have in life, um, which is mostly capital. If you're trying to do something that's community built and has this urge of not being based on money, though, you're stuck with that people then have to volunteer enough time and hours but work like they're being paid. And then you have this question that comes up for anybody who's ever raised fundraised for their kids. You could spend 12 hours out there selling the bloody candy bars, 
But if you make $50 an hour or even 40 bucks an hour, you might just be as well served to just donate that instead of volunteering, unless your actual intention is uh, showing your kid about hard work. So all of a sudden, intentions can be so much different than the same activity. And I feel, like personally, if you're not walking through all these steps of the differences of an intention, of a result, of an outcome, the different perspective that an executive would have than perhaps the lowest person in your organization, then you're not really trying to get to the core of what's going to bring sustainability. But that thought process can take a while. It's like the difference between making somebody good at perhaps changing us. Uh, this is not, I don't want to come up classes, so let me think I'll do this. I personally could get good or decent at adjusting the Mm-hmm. Within short several years, just cracking and making that noise out. Two or three years, and you get pretty good at that. That doesn't mean I'm great at distinguishing or diagnosing what their problem is mm-hmm. that caused it, nor great at advising them, nor does it mean I'm great at getting inside their head so they actually change their activity to become a more healthy person. But the piece of making that cracking noise, I could get at fairly quickly. And if the money to be made by just having people want to come in for a quick clap was as much or more than thinking through all the other stuff that we just talked about, then you'll have a lot of people who are great at getting from point A to point B, but they can't spell the favorite three lines. They can't get to E, G, F, C, nor do they understand the amount of work and effort it takes to think of that and make a system that really appeals and takes into consideration all the various perspectives and needs of the community or the people who are working. So that's why it was difficult for me to say, hey, this is a topic because every topic to me, and I'm saying this as an almost 50-year-old, I've been through life enough that I've seen so many frigging patches that it's not very interesting to me to talk about another patch. And because of how long certain things take, like if you said, Dr. Britton, tell me how your practice works. Without you being there, I could talk for an hour, I could talk for four hours, and you still wouldn't yeah. get before because it would only matter whatever you were able to actually envision in your head. Sure. So I'd well, say we're into our conversation right now. Yeah. That's yeah. why I make sure you record Definitely, for sure. Because, you know, if for it's more than just being a trained in chiropractic. It's for me, what I didn't know and what I learned uh, in the past 10 years is that you are a functional neurologist. And that's, uh, it's many components are the same as a chiropractor, as a layman would say, but it's, but it's also very different than the type of a neurologist that told me to sleep off my, my concussion after my car accident. Oh, well, that's a wonderful example, right? Because there's a good chance if you were that neurologist's daughter and they knew they had unending fun and they dealt with you, like you are an impact on the rest of your life, their life. They wouldn't have told you to do that. I'm helpful on a handful of them. That the patients don't know what I am helpful with or it's not in the 
like if you have a heart attack, you want a yeah. cardiologist. Yeah. If you're having wear and tear problems on your body in the long term, right now I say you need at least a combination of a very open-minded, advanced trained chiropractor, a nutritionist, and perhaps even a personal health coach who just has time to listen to the things that has some training in mental health. Yeah, I mean, medicine is a business and there are many sides of it. Plus, I think with with traditional medicine, most people think of it as give me a pill, do a quick cut, and then I'm better. And that's Mm -hmm. just not... That's just not always true. And what I found for me with uh, functional, going to the functional neurologist, uh, they were able to help me because even my sister, who's a nurse in my own particular situation, she heard me repeating myself and I couldn't do math and I didn't know. It it didn't occur to me that I was saying the same thing twice. When I would try to go to leave a tip on a, on a check, I, I had no idea how to do the math there. So there was a little bit of my knowledge there, but I think it was till I was talking with you on the phone that you heard me repeat myself and you just, you called that practice that's near me here in Colorado and said, she's going to be calling. And then you called me and told me to call them. And so for me, I didn't need a, somebody who cuts to fix my brain. I needed somebody who knew how to put my brain back together. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's perfect because it's the same geography in there to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. It's looking at how it communicates with itself. And that's not traditional. That's no more traditional medical neurology than a psychiatrist who gives you drugs versus a psychologist who gives you empathy. Yeah. They and I, are two different, but you need to know that, that architecture. And mm-hmm. at that point, you have a total different outcome. And just like you said, one, one got to work on you helping and the other had to take a nap. Yeah. Right? So the one that told me to take a nap did get me to the surgeon who put my spine back together. She couldn't do that. So she did. I just don't know that within her own little practice that was very specialized, she could see the forest through the trees. Like it sounds like her referral was totally appropriate. I guess, interestingly enough, is what you're asking me is the hard part for everybody. Because when I respond about what I think functional neurology and what the new frontiers of healthcare could be, mm-hmm. it, it, it's for, not for you now because you've experienced it. Yeah. For other people, they can't hear our words for the differences any more than perhaps person who's always been blind listen to me describe the difference between pink red chartreuse yeah it doesn't sound different in language it's just completely different in experience experience and in the following because nobody thinks they need to go talk to to somebody like yourself to so and if they don't know that they exist how does somebody who's 
listening go, oh, my sister needs to go there. Because like my sister, who's a nurse, didn't know I needed to go find a functional neurologist. She kept telling me to go back to my, uh, my neurologist that could cut into me. And I think for me, what got me back to truly being myself, back to being able to live a life was the functional neurology. It got me more back to who I am and and smart enough. I don't think I ever would have got there without it. And it was it was one piece of medicine. So why would anybody need a functional neurologist? What, can you explain that? You know, yes. And my metaphor, though, is going to be, why did you need roads? before there were cars, right? Like cars needed a specific kind of road that a horse doesn't necessarily need to travel on. And the hard part is before there were cars, you didn't need them. Not not paved and not met it out. So the need for functional neurologists is more of a possibility for looking at improving the potential. Mm -hmm. I would say because what they're doing is looking at the way groups of cells in your brain talk to each other and measuring the efficiency of that output versus is it pathological or just dying? So if you came to me and you'd had a brain injury and the CT scan saw a lot of uh, hematoma in there or area where blood vessels were bursting and still bleeding, then it wouldn't be come to a functional neurologist. It'd go to your medical neurologist. But once those things have functionally have healed inside to a degree, meaning you're not in emergency care, we're not worried about you not being able to breathe anymore, and now what you're trying to do is get your speech patterns back correctly, keep your balance longer, um, improve those systems that grew naturally when you were a kid, then a functional neurologist is probably going to be one of your best bets. And I'd say you you go in between a a highly trained, basically functional optometrist, a doctorate degree, Uh and they're very specialized in helping people with crossed eyes, one eye blind, one eye this, actually really getting in there. Usually PPO will cover them a little bit, but most people are looking at five to $10,000 a pot. Um, And then there's occupational therapists who have some neurology training who also look at the Mm -hmm. functional output. Right. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, all three of those, along with functional neurologists, can sort of cross over. I'd say the big difference for the functional neurologist versus the optometrist is the functional neurologist will be taking those eye movements and considering them in, in, with your gaze, with your mm-hmm. actual balance, and with perhaps any, say, a disc lesion. So I'd say they sometimes will do more, but that depends on not functional neurologist or functional neurologist. I kind of specialize in my firm. Also, we run do stem cells. So I definitely focus on the pain aspect and degenerative aspect and blown discs kind of things, neuropathy. On concussion people, I know some stuff. But since I know a couple of people in L.A. that are really great, only focus on eye movements, I usually refer to those functional neurologists instead. Yeah. And uh, some of them don't have all my equipment or my stem cells. So I don't have to... Uh, I, I, I don't have to keep every single patient that comes in the door. Just try to make sure I have enough money to keep the doors open. Yeah. You know? And so it's very, you're really hitting on a good point because most people don't know they exist. If their insurance doesn't cover it, they yeah. can't do it. Yeah. Then that functional neurologist 
need to get themselves inside the system and do things to promote themselves is it, pretty much our if we're going to open a business, we have to realize that we're going to have to be self-promoters because mm-hmm. so it's, it's not, it's still always a cost benefit analysis. You know, if somehow, for instance, Medicare for all passed the way it, if it passed, if this was included in it, I'd be such a proponent for Medicare. For all. However, if the current insurance based model of healthcare is what remains, I, I, I would and I don't yeah. think I'd find very many people who would agree with me for the reasons I'd want them to agree or disagree with me for the same reasons I'm disagree. Right. It's like, it's a very, this is for that ability to see A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H all the way through, as opposed to A to B is important because at a certain point, there's stuff that will fix you that generates no profit. Talking to someone can help with your anxiety, but just with a specialist. A lot, but there's no magic pill that's being sold that was made for a dollar somewhere where people aren't getting paid anything and then sold for $1,000 <laughs> when you come into your doctor's office, which is how medicine makes a lot of its money. Yeah. So the kind of natural or less invasive stuff doesn't generate profits. Well, since it doesn't generate those profits, it never ends up on the stock market. You never get mm-hmm. that huge IPO investment that allows them to do all the marketing and all the commercials that draw people in. Yeah. So it's really one of those kind of conversations that someone says, well, how do you fix this? And I'm like, the same way you built America, you've got to find free money. Somewhere. You've got to free up money somewhere. And obviously, if you haven't watched the news lately, um, medicine and pharmaceutical companies have a big, big stronghold on both our Supreme Court in our election processes, no matter who's elected. And this is what I'm trying to do, what we're talking about, doesn't really move the needle for them. <laughs> what okay. are you talking about? Take patients away from us? Yes. And decrease our income? Yes. And make it so we're not, yes. We're not quite voting for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it means now we have to create functional neurology. And right. also, yeah, and, and I'm going back to what you kind of said before, because I think that you're not really taking patients away from traditional medicine. Aren't there always going to be enough patients to go around? Aren't you just making it more feasible for the regular Joe to be able to find out about this kind of non-traditional medicine so that maybe they can be healed in a way that's more uh, beneficial to them, making it really more about the patient? I love that you said that. That is 100% accurate. That's what I actually don't disagree with that at all. It's just that when you get to the course of action of yeah. how that would how to happen, do that. Yeah. you'd really be telling the medical people to send their people to us because almost 100% of people in a car accident that hurts them end up in the ER. Mm-hmm. And of yes. those people, they get referred to PT or their medical people. Yes. They, 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 we have almost like it's not even an intelligent percentage of cases that get referred from the ER or told, go see a functional neurologist, go ahead, see a rehab specialist. They, 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 it's, it, it, it's, it's such a big disconnect that now you got me inspired to do seminars for emergency. Um, yeah. <laughs> after birth, most people only go in to the doctor, they go in more for ER visits. 
and that's we're talking about America. So yes, yeah. if you're a middle a middle upper class person, and your parents had good insurance, they took you to your checkups, and you go every two years or every year. Yes, so that's not normal. No. Unfortunately, that's the myth of normal, yeah. but that's not normal. And then the physicians, because of the way insurance pays for those visits, they're not doing an all points bulletin and measuring this, looking at how much this grew. This they're doing your medical. They're doing lab work. That unless you've got some hideous disease, if you do, they find it. They're pretty decent at it sometimes. But yeah. they're not looking at, oh, my gosh, your child is wearing out their right shoe really, really fast. Let's take a look at their left and right hips because this is, they shouldn't be wearing their – if they're only 15 years old and they're walking on that right side that much, then there's a functional or walking abnormality. That's uh-huh. going to get exaggerated, and then when they hit 25 and their body stops repairing itself as fast, it's going to exaggerate it to hip problems. Yeah. And then everybody's going to be looking for it, and then what they're going to do is talk about hip bracing, PT, and then if you don't, because the PT doesn't usually change if the brain, if the brain's decided that it wants you to walk on your right leg more by the time you're 15 to 20. And it's not because of just one, like, you know, someone has four inch longer leg than the other side or a noticeable car accident. Right? Uh-huh. That, that habit becomes entrained in the brain. Yeah. Well, undoing that isn't necessarily done by PT, though there are a few PTs who are good at it, because that's going to be in vestibular and um, lower brain stem rehab. Yeah. Such that the brain starts taking new cues. Well, Jesus, that's not. There's only one group of professionals that spends hours figuring out how to, you know, years mm-hmm. after getting you to walk another leg. That's functional neurology. Yeah. Right? yeah. It'd be really slow, boring work for your ER doc to do. And it requires a lot more education than a typical PT gig or a typical chiropractor, by that matter. So it's, it's I'd say hopefully this is the beginning of something, sort of like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly that as more people are exposed to it, or even podcasts like you're doing, they start going, hey, there is, there is something that fills the gap between needing a full-time, super expensive medical neurologist mm-hmm. and having a licensed professional who can read x-rays and MRIs as well as has a, a, a master's level or better knowledge of the neuroscience. Um, I I, I, th- I just think that this, and obviously since I am one, I think this is the future way to go. And um, I worry that finances will corrupt yeah. it the way everything has been corrupted. <laughs> and I think it, yeah, because there's also, it, it corrupts it, but yet that one doctor who has to see 50 more patients that day, if they were really versed and functional neurology and chiropractic care was covered more so in their insurances, uh, people would be needing less costly types of, of care. So it's not about not letting even insurance companies make money. They would be able to keep more of their money rather than putting on my medical bills. Granted, I needed the surgeries, but they were cra- They were huge sums of money, probably close to half a million dollars. And yeah. if you could, if you could have gotten me to a functional neurologist earlier, uh, well, and I did get to the functional neurologist, and then I was able to eventually go back to work. I had my brain. I was able to think. I was able to go into an entirely different uh, 
form of work that was new to me. And I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not been able to go to a functional neurologist to get my brain back. Uh, So I needed it all, but it also... I, my main, my, my MD at that time didn't need me in his office. And so I think all in all, everybody could benefit from knowing uh, a little bit more about the alternatives out there. And if, and if, and yeah. if the bottom line is everybody's dollar, I really do think it works money-wise for all of us to save money or as in an insurance company, keep money, keep their money. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I think one hard part of this whole deal is that we have to think of ourselves as a community. Yeah. Like something like functional neurology will be very hard to make for the public as long as people don't realize that we're all paying into the same, I don't even know what the word is. Like the same that we save the insurance company's money yeah. is nothing that the average person really cares about. Uh-huh. And that, no, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're getting over my head here because I'm not a financial wizard by any means. Um, I'm hoping that people will want that, that they want to be able to have their city or their town covered by a way of having someone who's got enough expertise to say, hey, we have a great likelihood of getting you better without having to go into all of this things that lead to surgery or to more expensive things yeah. and allow room for the new developments in both surgeries and, and, and research to be able to happen. So I, I, to me, it just makes sense. Just like what you're saying, it's this, we got to deal with the disconnect because that's yeah. not what's happening in the reality. And even though, you and I may be young on this spectrum. This question has been posed multiple times to multiple groups, and they all end up making pretty much we've found ourselves in a situation where they decided not to. Yeah. And we're not really, and I'll be honest, even for myself, first in what did they look at that made them decide that this was the way they wanted to go? I, I have a hard time thinking patient outcomes was the, actual baseline because these patient outcomes are terrible we could literally go back to our 1960s way of practicing have better ways better patient outcomes for the cost we could copy almost every other country on the planet's healthcare groups and have a better outcome for the dollar so i feel like when something exists this long this much somebody very powerful or some group very powerful must be getting enormous benefit out of it and if it's not the patients, because be hard pressed to have an argument that American patients are getting the the the, the benefits of this kind of um, financial output for mm-hmm. the results, mm-hmm. then we've got to find that group. <laughs> yeah, we've all known those people who don't know what they don't know, and or they've been taught something that's been so ingrained in them. And I think traditional medicine is in that way. I mean, they don't teach nutrition. Uh, well, maybe one hour of it. I think it's it's a minuscule amount of time. Uh, and they don't go more towards solving disease via nutrition. And, and, and I think there's a number of things. I think to have this conversation is not to say that we're going to bash traditional 
medicine, I think to be able to have traditional medicine find more, more non-traditional medicine inclusive, it just betters it for everybody. And, and, and I think that's why I really wanted this discussion with you because there's enough money to go around. It can always still be about money. And, but I think for me and what I found through my own journey of the healthcare is it came down to uh, the doctor and, and they aren't, they just don't know what they don't know. That's, that's the way I can put it. Cause I don't know of a way, any other way of putting it that's, that's snide or mean or not nice. I think that that's it. Cause there's many a diseases, especially that are linked to nutrition, especially like inflammation and, and in through, mm-hmm. uh, and that is a reason why some people's can have issues that you can help solve. Cause you said nutrition is a big part of your plan and, and people need to follow that. And traditional medicine doesn't per se teach that. And our, our population is only going to grow and grow and grow. And the problem is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I also didn't know what I didn't know in this. And that's why I think the purpose of this conversation is, is to let people know that there's something more out there. Well said. I really like these, you know, these podcasts we put together because there's just so many things out there. Even as a functional neurologist, yeah. I'd say you could break it up into about 10 different specialties. Yeah. And yeah. because you could break it up into 10 different specialties, honestly, you could, you could ask yourself, well, then what is it if it can be broken up into all these and that are, are also not being addressed? So it's, it's mm-hmm. funny um, that I think what's happening is similar to what's going on in the computer and technology, meaning some of the stuff that Google's doing, or if you look at Tesla and imagine SpaceX or whatever, mm-hmm. like we couldn't imagine what no. it took to do that. Like that our own NASA, other countries, space programs are at whatever level they are. One dude owns a company yeah. that does all of that. Yeah. That means he forget it, figured out how to cut a bunch of crap out of his stuff. You know? Yeah. And what is it that's crap and what's not as technology keeps happening so fast, just so fast? Mm-hmm. Is that we're living in two worlds? I'm I'm still in Nintendo world. Meanwhile, there's this Oculus thing out there that lets uh, you be in virtual reality. <laughs> well, and even Tesla's gone mainstream, and in that with SpaceX is now kind of they are the civilian side of space of rockets of sending things to the space station. So I think having this type of a conversation is the real beginning of helping people see that you can still have what you want to have, but there's something over here that you may not know about that definitely could help you. And I mean, especially I didn't know much about physical therapy either. I think that's something that helped me much more than that. I just, I couldn't have known about before my accident. And the dry needling yeah. that I got that just, oh, I forgot. oh my heavens. And after the first time I got it, I went home and I slept for, for 16 hours. Did least. they do your dry needling at physical therapy? Yeah. Yeah. 
So dry needling, just so this is what's interesting. Dry needling came from acupuncture. Yeah. Right? And so this is where it gets so funny because you go, hey, guess what? If you know enough, you could pick a fight with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. the point for me was how hard it was for those of us in, uh, say, in alternative medical space to watch them take dry needling while they poo-pooed acupuncture. Yeah. And then they decided to make a degree or certification uh-huh. that chiropractors or PTs can do on patients. Well, then you either thought that what they were doing was bullshit or you thought it wasn't. They obviously thought, decided that they wanted to be able to do the needling because that's how much effect it has on patients. Yeah. And we see it from chiropractic side of PTs now trying to learn how to adjust. Well, mm-hmm. you guys fought us for years and then you didn't have the courtesy to say, you liked what we did, join us. You decided to take big parts of it and use it for your own. So anybody who's a minority has heard of cultural appropriation. This professional appropriation is pretty, for me, it, 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 it draws me one way or the other. Because well, when you say what someone does yeah. is not useful, and then you make a law to allow yourself to do it. But I get it. Because now you interpret that as physical therapy so that's why like your your spacex example i mean your tesla example was awesome tesla is now mainstream but the technology for what brought tesla to tesla that's not mainstream people just want the product all the people who are sitting in their chairs they just want the cool car yeah they didn't want the stress of everything it took because general motors toyota all of them could have been had electric vehicle uh stuff Mm -hmm. But they realized as long as nobody's doing it, there's no need for us to open up the market. So to me, Tesla did something unimaginable. I'm still in awe, which is bring something to market and then outdo the old guys. And the only thing that the buyer really is interested in is, oh, this is a cool car. So I don't, I don't know where I stand with that yet. I, I definitely think that there's something towards looking at where something was created, which is what we started the conversation. What yeah. created this? Because you know, medicine won't improve on dry needles. Yeah. They're going to take the old dry needle skills and reuse it for another 50 years, as opposed to taking the acupuncturist, giving them credibility for the needling techniques they did, and then seeing what they'll do when exposed to the technology of Western medicine and the access that you get for being known as a full practitioner. So I asked my... my uh physical therapist, I said, isn't this acupuncture? And, and he was, I don't know, at the time, and at the time, it was many years ago, he did say that he deals more with the muscles and the meridians of the body, that acupuncture Mm -hmm. deals with the meridians of the body. And I mean, I didn't know enough. I was just like, well, isn't this the same thing I can get from my acupuncturist? And, And, and he said, no. And so that is how he explained it being different to me. I am not a medical person. I don't know the difference, whether it's a meridian or, you know, what has to do with the muscles. Uh, You know, that's a, again, that's another intra-professional difficulty that we'll see what times tells, what time says, right? Yeah. Because legally, and I'm not an acupuncturist, so I've got to be careful in talking about stuff that I'm not always legally accountable for. My understanding was that acupuncturists were forced to talk in a certain kind of words. See, what's getting shaped for you guys is the words we're allowed to use. 
So when I put out an ad and I say, hey, we help treat arthritis. Well, five, 10 years ago, up to five, 10 years ago, I could get my ad pulled and have my license. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because they said you're only able to say you can help with some of the symptoms from it, which is the opposite of what I've sworn and I've decided to do this profession for, which is treat symptoms. So what happened with the acupuncturists as well is the vernacular that they were allowed to use, starting as far back as the 1950s, and then you figure this doc or this today's acupuncturist was taught by the old acupuncturists. So the mm-hmm. old acupuncturists learned how to survive the system of the way they were sort of, and I'm just going to say, up, uh, oppressed in their career and their ability to express themselves. Then the young acupuncturists will have no other choice than that as well, because they'll only be taught from that derivative knowledge. Yeah. And that's the hard part because I know everybody wants to get to simplicity, but yeah. simplicity based upon appropriation is no longer simplicity. It's the destruction or the destruction of a career, the destruction of a profession. So it, it's there's, there's always these different levels. Um, your person probably was just a guy who woke up and just decided, hey, I want to do more than just PT. I want to add on to that. It was a dry needle. He had nothing to do with all the yeah. legal ramifications of oh, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he right. wanted to help people with pain, and that you know, and that is his background. I don't think, I mean, he had to see so many patients a day too. I think it's that broader impact, the broader implications from what he was doing, and it probably was a business decision also from the pe- from the company that he worked for uh, oh, to bring I, this I in, to, in in a way that. to help people, and no. yeah. So, what do you do? when you're faced with that. So how do I set it right without now just going ahead and becoming part of the medical system? If I think what the medical system is going to do is continue, uh, let me see how I'm going to say this. If I think right now that the medical system looks at people and says, we could have fixed this and it was cheap, but we didn't feel like it. And we trained all of our medical providers to be a certain way. So they won't even witness the beginning part. Why? Because the public doesn't want to know about this until it's really bad. They all have a good reason for it, but is that what's best for us as a system? And that's what sort of gets into my way. Because otherwise, you could just explain away almost any sexism or any kind of, uh, I hate using that uh, generality, any kind of, in in, in law, they call tort law, Right, mm-hmm. tort law is who's damaged. Yeah. You can just explain away all the damages, and the person who was the aggressor or the groups that were the aggressor just get away with stuff. Yeah, but I think that's life. I think that <laughs> whether I like it or not, it drives me. To, I, I get your example there, and yeah. and that is, and I think we, because I I come down to there are things that we realize are just going to happen and how do we that's partially why this conversation there there are no simple answers yeah there are no simple answers i just wonder why people want simple answers anybody who's raised a kid realizes there's no simple answers (laughs) so that to me has become a cop-out maybe you could have said that in 1950s for the system in the 
1910 when we were redoing a reset. But right now, I, I like that I'm on your show because I think there's a point in which people all of a sudden realize that some of the things that have been told to them were not accurate. Yeah. And a chance to actually reconfigure. That's what I love about your show, you know, is that it's not, we can't just keep saying that bad shit's going to happen. Because guess what? What bad shit happened to Trump and his kids? I'm sorry. It doesn't just happen. It happens to you. Yeah. Well, and I think we all, we we think that there's simple (laughs) answers because people, they have their avatar that they put out there to people. We think that there are simple answers when there aren't. No, there's not. Not not when you're dealing with the the complex ecosystem of the humanity, right? There's yeah. times when I don't, I want to go get lunch. I've got to go to the bathroom. And I promised also a patient I would have a file done. And I have 30 minutes, which all those is the only time I have to do. I don't even have a simple answer on how to get myself to the bathroom, get my food, and get a half an hour report done. It just, I end up with choices. So I go, I usually go hungry because I really can't operate if I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I usually choose to go just go hungry, um, but the, when they say there's simple answers, that, that that's it, it again. It's I just watched this movie, this movie, um, the social dilemma. Oh yeah. And the people who created Google, some of the engineers of Facebook, engineers from PayPal, yeah. and they talked about how they're being able to with AI, they can. If they track you over a thousand movements, they can predict your next actions better than anybody else. Yeah. Normal humans can't track each other over a thousand movements, but on your phone, your text, your emails, and so and so, they can. That's un- that's almost godlike power compared to the way most people live. Who <laughs> I don't know why I didn't pick up dinner. I thought I'd get off of work on time. I was a half hour late from work, and then that. So just the ability to control and get dinner is challenging for some of us. Yeah. How is tracking a thousand activities over the course per day, over the course of a year, going to give somebody else a selective advantage of doing what you're going to do? Just because you don't know it, we do. People do. That's how my marketing works. I get an 18 to 1 return on every dollar I spend on Facebook ads. 18 to 1. If I go out of business because I got tired of just doing work, (laughs) <laughs> Facebook does all the advertising for me, finds people who are already injured, finds people with MRIs already. Like, you just don't understand. There's very few of, we take a group of 1,000 people, if we can find out what they do and a little bit about them, there's very few of them that they can't predict their activity. Yeah. It's just you, us, individuals who can't predict it. I wouldn't have a business if I couldn't predict what you guys are going to do. So it's very hard on me when I, if I allow consumers to live day to day, but that consumer's day to day life means that their ability to understand the gravity of living that way, letting them keep living like 1940, we have technology 2020, it's really just going, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. We're going to just tell you guys the stories you need to be told because we can tell from your interact activity, here's how we get there. If you're a guy, you put a picture of a woman with breasts, and then we talk about how she didn't like, and I'm making, I'm sort of being generalistic, right? And uh-huh. we put those on there, the likelihood of you clicking goes up 10,000%. Now, not for every guy. Some guys need a car. So I've got healthcare ads with a car on there. And for women, 
it's really about taking care of the family. Even if they're single, your family's health is your responsibility. We don't get a lot of responses from men doing that. We get 5000 a week from women. So we've got an idea of, even if I don't know you specifically, for my business to dominate, I only have to know what about 50% of people are like. And I don't even know it. My marketing company knows it. And then they sell me that information. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying, oh, we got to just let it go, there's just things that it just happens. It, no, that level of, for the human life, that level of, what is it called, randomness, doesn't really exist. It's pretty predictable. Not, it just, what's not predictable is will you have a good birthday? What's not predictable is will you like the present your husband got for you? And what's maybe not predictable, are you guys going to stay married? Which seems to be a 50 50 now. But are you going to need to get the toilet paper? Yes. Are you going to need to buy water? Yes. Are you going to have to get your car to repair shop? Yes. How often? One year? Every two years? Every four years? Well, we can look at other parts of your life and know that, yeah, you're a four year person. Nope. After one, oil change every seven months first. If they are, then we send them oil. We make sure it costs more to get oil ads to them. Because that's the kind of person they are. I had a friend explain to me one how all decisions are made and he put it in terms of can they play with their toys and how much toys can they afford and that's what they want to. Yeah. That's how they want to do what they want to do. And that's as far as a a lot of people really want to think about things and whether it be, he didn't know the reason behind it, but he knew that much. And I think the reason AI knows that now is because AI is many, many minds. It's not just our one mind. And uh, I think being so niched as we are, that we can get to know that. That's a good word. Yeah. Now, wow. Well, because here's crazy. The AI kind of stuff that you're seeing now has only existed for 10 years. Yeah. And in that 10 years, almost every corporation major that's been using it is now a multi-billion dollar company. Well, now, the difficulty with that is if you go by the way that we vote and create our infrastructure in the United States, yeah. and again, let's get back to healthcare. If AI is sending you stuff about getting lower premiums on your medical or your drugs, then that's what you're going to vote for. Yeah. Because we if all... If it's showing you that there's help, holistic care out there, yeah. then that's what you're going to possibly vote for. Wow. People think pharmaceuticals and medicine are the same. They are not. They are two no. competitive cohorts. So it's, it's not one thing, but I think with the shows like yours about just getting people on and sort of sharing your story about that you had concussion and for me for getting run over by a car. Yeah. And when UCLA was done with me, I was still pretty much one leg not working and had to wear diapers. Mm-hmm. And that functional neurology got the nerves and it knew how to use the laser to rehabilitate the nerves in my leg and my back. So now you can't barely tell me from a normal person except for my weird personality. but i think people don't know and they aren't going to look for it and and maybe i'm answering the question that we kind of started off our conversation with is we don't know and we don't want to know until we don't feel good until our health is gone until something is wrong and uh we we do go look for that pill we do go look for that 
cut me open and fix it. Um, even though I wouldn't let you cut open my brain, but I still wanted it fixed. Do you think right. that medicine and alternative medicine becoming just the same, plain old medicine, do you think? I think they would. I think they'll get cohesive. I'd say the thing about them being separate right now is the difficulty because that separation is, I think every cardiologist should know about us. Yeah, I think the cardiologists should know some great nutritionists, great health advisors, and great coaches that are not necessarily nurses because that's a lot of community capital to put into someone who could just talk to somebody for a little bit. But for a traditional chiropractor, this is what they do as their livelihood, right? We get yeah. talks, health talks, communicate. I mean, nobody else has figured out how to make a plan of three health talks, a good business model, than the chiropractors. Nobody. Everybody else is like asking their nurses to volunteer and they grumpy or their doctors like, I'll go do, no, I don't want. You know, they're figuring out how to do, uh, what do you call it, webcam uh, telemedicine. And and it's okay, but most of us do do an hour or two-hour talk twice a month to 40 to 60 people. Mm-hmm. And it's part of our business plan. So what I look at is why recreate, why recreate a wheel where you already have the system. It's instead of saying alternative healthcare, regular healthcare. Yeah. You got you look at the system. We don't go, hey, we have nuclear, we have <laughs> nuclear power and alternative nuclear power. No, no, it's just all your energy. <laughs> so that way they can talk, right? Yeah. The, the subdivisions, I think, right now are more inhibitory. But I'm not. Again, once you get into social science, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not an expert on big data. All people. The thing is, I know as a clinician that what I see in my clinic is a certain way, and it doesn't. It falls under empirical evidence, meaning I did it, I predicted what I was going to see, and it worked. Now, to make it a science, you've got to try to train a thousand other people to do it so they can do double-blind exams and do this work on hundreds of thousands of people in a relative amount of time so we have similar circumstances. Well, that's a lot of money, and you don't even have that many practitioners. You don't have 20,000 functional neurologists in the world yet. So without that, then they need to be integrated. It needs mm-hmm. to be not separate. So that way, a natural organic combination can happen. And one day, when a surgeon finds that his results are even better, when they see a functional neurologist before they come to him, and the rehab is done with a functional neurologist. By the way, a PT can be a functional neurologist, and a nurse practitioner can. Any, any licensed medical healthcare practitioner can be. It's a three-year master's. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So any of them can be that. My little gripe, again, is that they don't want to come to ours. They're trying to build a functional neurology program without learning the basics of human physiology and human, uh, human physiology, human neurophysiology. And it's because mm-hmm. medicine lets you do that, right? Yeah. If you ask every single provider exactly what will be the cell-cell interaction of a cortisol shot, you'd be lucky to come up with 50% of them that can't. Right, but they just don't. 
You don't have to just, oh, this pain, this injection. To do functional neurology, you have to know what the basal ganglia is going to react like. You have to have an idea of what your frontal lobe is going to react like, what yeah. the adrenal is going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so all-encompassing. It's, it's exhausting. I think that we kind of hinted on it. Yes, everything's going to have to be licensed and there's going to have to be a way to find that there are good, credible practitioners out there of all kinds of medicine. But do you think that chiropractic and functional neurology and the type of work that you do with your clinics have to do like you've done and get really good at advertising, really good at getting the message out there? Yes and no. The hard part is I want them not to. There'll be very few. You knew me before. I knew advertising. I worked on Black Hawk Down campaign. I worked on Ocean's Eleven. I've been around people who are the best of the best in advertising. And I understand this thing. And they use it mostly in small churches, cult of personality, right? When they have a pastor who's just so dynamic, so charismatic. And if he's not there, ain't nobody healing the spirit. (laughs) Deacon Jones is leading today. Oh, you know what? I realized I got sick. This Deacon Jones, I, you know, Pastor Muhammad's not there. I don't need, need to be, because they really associate, they like the panther and the personality. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I live off of right now is the fact that I have experience in, uh, in both marketing and advertising. And I know how to shut the heck up and let the patient do this, enough of the talking and steer them, meet them where they are and steer them. Well, that's not the typical strong point of most science-oriented people. Have an argument with a nurse about the usefulness of vaccines and you're going to get a deluge unless she's one of those 1% of why are you even asking me? There's something wrong with you? <laughs> of course, you know, ask yeah. them about why are they doing this? It's, it's just not a science person lives and dies on their theories and their personal experiments of those theories. What's that? Could you go to UCLA and see a Nobel Prize person, whatever. And you're really going to talk them back from whatever allowed them to have their professional confidence. So the reason I say all that is I want more better scientists in functional neurology. The few unicorns, and I'm not trying to pump myself up, who both are great at science, great at business management, understanding marketing, and running the interpersonal communications of a business. If we have to build a life on that, it's never going to succeed. Yeah. You're still, I I want to be able to let that quiet, nice person who's going to be the worst person to try to sell you a $4,000 package or convince you to change your diet. But they really will understand functional neuro and be able to give a nurse or another participant a a very insightful, an actionable course of activity to have you get better. I want to get that. Yeah. Right? I'm exhausted. Last year we did just about a million dollars total, but I'm exhausted. And finding other doctors to work for me and to be able to have that breath is an ongoing, always going search. And generally I find one person who could do one part pretty good, but then getting them to work with the rest of the team, they start to, it starts to fail. And then I have to put somebody in to buttress that. So I don't know if I want it the way it is to continue because there'll be too much burnout. And what we notice from the burnout doctors is one, they stop being as good. Yeah. Two, yeah. they stop being as patient. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And three, when they finally quit, they're actually our biggest detractors. And I think they associate causality wrong. And they either say what they did didn't work very well because they couldn't see enough patients, not realizing, no, you didn't market enough. Or that people don't, and this is what you see more of, the doctors realize that humans, American humans, don't give a crap about their own bodies. And they just want to try to get fixed. And they have the most valuable thing in the universe that they're willing to only take care of for 55 bucks. And that leaves them angry at the actual people. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to continue this because this right now leads to exactly the problem that you have where you have surgeons who are great surgeons, but they really don't like you guys. And I mean, as the people, they don't consider themselves. Someone with 150 IQ and no empathy doesn't associate their problems with your problems. <laughs> yeah, I've known a few of those. But my <laughs> right, it's just that it calls me to speak. Listen, I want the guy who's flying my who's flying the 747 across my skies. I do not care if he's a good person. I care if he's a good pilot. Yeah. If you tell me he beats his wife, arrest him after we land it, right? <laughs> So every you want them to think they're God. If they're going to cut into you, you want that. So th- I, we do need that a confidence. You need that. And so how? And conversely, though, mm-hmm. if there, if a practitioner, if you are in a very sensitive situation and one practitioner is going to cut into you, but the other is not, you want that person to have tons of confidence and be yeah. right. Well, of course. Right? Yeah. So if we're choosing not to follow the traditional model, you don't want any less competency, guys. Mm-hmm. You can't, and that's no problem. People go from one of the top surgeons in Denver to a second-year graduate, Cairo. Ain't that equal either. So where is a happy medium? Where, because there are so many people who are going back to that word traditional medicine and they're just, they're not getting better and they're not going to get better. Where do we find well, a happy medium? I think like what you found with Brown, with Brown functional neurology, what you're looking for is added credentials. People who are actually actively involved with their state or local or national association, mm-hmm. because at least they understand what they can be done for the future. Yeah. Right. For me, having to integrate and understand what Kaiser's doing, what are Kaiser patients coming from? Can I fix somebody without that? Yes. But by knowing that, I know what kind of x-rays you're going to get. I have an idea of what, what's going to happen when you get a CBC. And so I can actually play in a be on the team with whoever else you're working with. Yeah. When I started practicing, I didn't like to share patients at all because all I knew was I didn't know exactly how to talk to the MD or their surgeon that well. And he didn't get off the phone with a lot of respect for me. So I was like, screw it. If I'm taking you, I'm taking you all the way. You're just mine. Yeah. You know, and I had good results. But now that I'm integrated, I'm like, ah, I wish I had a language for talking. Like you guys have downtown healthcare. They have a functional neurologist, Denver, sorry. They have uh-huh. a functional neurologist, a badass nurse practitioner, a medical orthopedic surgeon, and like three regular chiros who also do rehab. And a bunch of physicians. And they always talk. Every week they're having meetings about you. That's how it's got to be done. Yeah. Hospitals probably won't do that for a while. But you're kind of looking for a combination of integration and multiple experiences. When someone has a chiropractic degree and a PT degree. Or 
chiropractic and a neurology, or yeah. even shoot acupuncture like the one you went to, that he did the, the work to get his needling, that's yeah. two extra years plus extra cost. That means he's paying to be able to serve the public. And uh, to me, that's as close as, as, close as, as you're going to get right now is just doing the research to make sure that these people are putting the time. Yeah. There are some idiot savants. I wish there's another word. There are some <laughs> savants who are amazing, by the way, with no extra formal training than their basic chiropractic, PT, or uh, nurse practitioner degree. There are. It's just that because you can't differentiate for the common person besides testimonials, I don't know how you search them out, and I have trouble finding referrals outside of my city for it. So that's the only reason I'm not behind them. I'd like to think that I would have been one of them if I hadn't gone ahead and gotten all these extra degrees because I was always interested in it. And thanks to the Internet in the last 10, 12 years, has made it very easy. But if I was 55 or 60, it's a little older, perhaps yeah. all this electronic stuff would have passed me by. So that's what I would look for. If you're looking for yeah. people who combined biophysics with their chiropractic, um, uh, kinesiology with their chiropractic, neurology and chiropractic, and that they've yeah. got a, a good two or three year cert or something like that, as opposed to, you know, one class. Like, for instance, I think I can go, oh my gosh. Well, yeah, in Colorado, Colorado is a great state for any kind of practice, by the way. You guys should have the best health care in the world. I think you have the best health care in the but in California, uh, you could get your PA degree along with your chiropractic degree in practice. That'd uh-huh. be amazing because then you'd know something about sure. the medicine side. A PA is not as big a license as an MD, but that's fine. You know uh-huh. it. And uh-huh. you'd associate yourself with MD. I yeah. think the time for cloistered, cloistered uh, thinking where one person or one type of profession seems to be the only showrunner is over. Yeah. What you're looking for is a jack of all trades that can help connect multiple experts. Does that make yeah. sense? It does, you know, because something's got to give. And so one one last thing. So 2020 was a rough year for most of us with coronavirus yeah. and everything of that. So what was something good or positive for you from 2020? You know, what was what was good or positive for me was actually the coronavirus made people, patients coming in, actually more concerned about their general health. So they might be in for back pain, but is it bad enough to risk giving me or catching coronavirus? Mm, then it had to be really bad. Yeah, yeah. And even if it was really bad, so I didn't take people whose pain levels were out of 10 or below. So what happened is now people are saying, hey, so... What, will this, will, will fixing this back pain or you coming in here make me more susceptible to catching coronavirus? And that gives me the opportunity to say, hey, while you have this disc out, your immune system is trying to fix both the disc and fight the coronavirus. Yeah. You're taxing your system more. You're also under a stress protocol, which is causing you to release something called cortisol, yeah. which suppresses your immune system. So uh, I can't, I'm not going to cure it not what I do, not an immunologist. But if I can reduce the overall stress, toxic load, and areas of body that are not are outside the limits of matter, where your body can't fix it, you can't, you can't fix it all on its own. If we can eliminate that, that lets your body focus on things like 
trying to protect itself from coronavirus. And just by the way, while we're finishing this up, what I would like to make notice of is of all the different multitude of ways to improve someone's immune system, have you noticed since the coronavirus came out, you haven't heard of almost any. And just three weeks ago, CDC started finally saying maybe people should get 4,000 units of yeah. vitamin D. Yeah. And we've been recommending four to 6,000 mm-hmm. forever. Like mm-hmm. we literally said, no, the FDA has been wrong. And no matter what's been happening until finally what you have is a human population that's deficient in vitamin D. Now, is it cured? No, but vitamin yeah. D helps your pee help yourself, guys. It helps your yeah. body stay healthy. Yeah. Right? So you end up going, either your FDA didn't know what the hell they were doing. Because not only did they not accept what we said and what other countries said, but they still kept their 600 a day to 700 a day as that normal. Yeah. So either they don't know what they're doing, or they were trying not to have you get it. What would be the conclusion of what would happen to you if you didn't have enough vitamin D? You'd be more prone to strokes, cardiovascular yeah. Injury, yeah. Injury, uh, problems, diabetes, uh, mm-hmm. depression, weight gain, yeah. inflammation, inflammation in the brain. So you go, wait, these are all our major chronic disease disorders. The only one they left out was cancer. And they just, <laughs> it, it was on the report. They just stopped publicizing it. Yeah. So I'm I not think, a yeah. conspiracy person. I'm just like, you know what? The good thing that might come out of this is everybody will get on high level of vitamin D. That'll be a field leveler because most of your MDs yeah. are not trained to what it is. Yep. Somehow they're MDs and you ask them about vitamin D and what you can get on Wikipedia is more than they can tell you. It's that lack of nutrition knowledge. Yeah, I do think that's one amazing thing is we are all a little more worried about our health. And I think the vitamin D in helping us, a lack of vitamin D is a bad thing in a lot of ways. So that's yeah. an awesome thing. People being a little more worried about their health. I know I fall into that. Thank you so much for talking with me today. And we've talked about this from time to time and it's good to have you on the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. It's an honor to be there. And, uh, can't wait to the next thank you for listening to the podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts the we as citizens podcast because conversation matters